Welcome to the Meditation Conversation. You are listening to Karan Alessandra. Today we are going to talk a bit about what meditation is. And of course there are different approaches, different techniques. So... But we're going to talk mostly about what our, we have been taught. And I think this goes as a thread in many of the classical t- techniques anyway. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So we have, uh, we thought we'd, we'd just kind of baseline things early on, right? To where we say, what are we even talking about when we're talking about meditation? Um, and uh, because as you say, it does mean different things or people can have ideas about what it is. And, um, as we're kind of early in, early in the podcast series, we, um, may want to just make sure we're all on the same page. So meditation, the word meditation kind of has a dual meaning, meaning where it's a heightened state of awareness And it's also the practice and the methods and the techniques that we use to get into that higher state of awareness. So there could be breathing techniques and uh, different concentration techniques, um, different relaxation methods, and all of that is kind of part of a meditation. But then you are meditating when you've done those techniques and you've brought yourself into a higher state of awareness. And so we're kind of stilling our thoughts, stilling our body, relaxing our body. But that state of awareness, that heightened state of awareness can be a little bit difficult to to talk about, difficult to to find the words to talk about because there's such a feeling that goes along with it. Um, And so in that way, sorry, go ahead. I guess it's like... When we fall in love, for example, the way you experience love and the way I experience love, it's, it's kind of hard to describe to each other what that feels like. Right. I you know it, feel, it feels good, but it's kind of hard to put into words. Right. And I'm sure there's a common thread that all of us as individuals are experiencing in that example, you know, of love. But yeah, how do you describe it? Um, and I think also an important point of when we get to that state of awareness, we kind of drop the analytical mind. You don't, you don't have to reason. You don't have to explain what it feels like. Exactly. Right. So there's, there's a bit of a science and an art when it comes to practicing meditation. Um, mm. And the, the practical side is, is easy to describe because you do this, you know, you breathe this way or you put your attention on this and that's kind of easier. I know for me personally, that feeling side that you have to bring into it and that openness and that inner receptivity to take things deeper was something that I developed later. So for the method that Alessandra and I have learned, um, it's very practical and down to earth and you know it's it's kind of method methodical is that the right word method yeah. i always get that one wrong um but then there's that feeling can, nature yeah. 
Sorry. No, that that came to heart. That came later for me. The feeling mm. side of it, where you kind of open yourself up. Did you have a similar experience? I was gonna say it makes me think of running. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a big runner, but I've had moments in my life where I've been running, and it's like everyone who's been running, you know, that like when you start, it's pretty tough. But if you stick with it a few weeks, like you're gonna get that good feeling when you you want to go out and run and it, I think it's the same thing with meditation you just have to stick with it and get the habit there and then that feeling is there and it's naturally gonna make you want to meditate right right and I also I looked through my notes actually for this talk and I saw some notes which are a few years old and this made me realize how much it actually is a practice because the just reading about it can take us to like, or maybe that can inspire us and take us to a certain point, but it is a practice and we need to practice because some of the things that I saw myself writing back then is exactly what I'm, I'm writing now, but back then I, I didn't understand it. Now I understand it and I feel it because I feel how it has changed me. Right. So there's kind of that intellectual part where you can, and, and I, this is something that I kind of experienced because before I started meditating, I read so much about meditation, not necessarily techniques, but I was reading, I was reading books by authors like the Dalai Lama or Eckhart Tolle or you know, people who are big meditators themselves, and I was so inspired by them, and they made it sound like, you know, it was this really natural thing that was so easy, and, um, but I was kind of trying it based on that inspiration and um, not really getting anywhere with it, but there is early, in those early days, there's that analytical, you have to start with your analytical approach because you don't have that Mm -hmm. experience. So you've got to kind of use your brain to say, okay, I do this and then I do this. And, but then once you get that experience, then you do understand it on a different level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meditation is also a cleansing practice. I just said before here that it changed me. That might sound a little bit out there, but we're going to talk about this in later episodes, how it actually changes our brain and how it impacts us as human beings. Because what it does is that we, when we meditate, we can become aware, and this is uh, something that science has proved, we can become aware of certain patterns or behaviors that we didn't know of before. And from there on, we can, of course... Take action. I mean, when I see this trigger in my life or this, there's a situation coming mm-hmm. up and I know, okay, so here I have a pattern, a behavior I want to change. And when I'm aware of it, then I, then I can change. So we can start to take charge of our lives and become more of the person we want to be. And mm-hmm. instead of kind of being trapped in an unconscious part of ourselves just running us um, in directions we don't want to go. But that doesn't mean we're not going to feel the hard feelings and 
you know, life is life. It's going to be tough sometimes. But personally, I just feel a big change um, with meditation and without meditation. I mean, I have days when I feel anxiety, I feel angry, but my reaction process is much, it's a bit longer. Right. There's kind of space I've found that grows after I started meditating. I had more space between a trigger and my reaction, which Mm -hmm. seemed like, and kind of a funny thing around that is um, that it's not necessarily like I was consciously striving for that. You know, there are so many benefits that happen that they just kind of appear and it's like, oh, I wasn't really even consciously working toward that. There are things that I have tried to consciously address through meditation, but um, I heard somebody once talk about, I think his name was Bob Roth, and he was saying, um, you know, these techniques, one of his teachers had said, because I think he'd asked, well, what if I don't believe in meditation? And people have have said this to me too. I don't think it'll work for me because I don't believe in it. And and his teacher took a piece of chalk and she she opened her hand and she dropped it and she said, I can have this piece of chalk and I can open my hand and it falls to the floor because of gravity. And it doesn't matter if you believe in gravity or not. <laughs> it's just, that's how it works. So mm-hmm. it, it is kind of interesting how it, it just, yeah, it does. I've had that same experience. But I think this is, and this is part of why we're doing this podcast, because this is going to fall off, these false belief that I don't believe in it. But it's like you said, how can you believe in something? What It works if you mm-hmm. follow the technique. And I would say both you and me are pretty practical, analytical, critical right. people. Yes. And I mean, when I read this, when I studied, I questioned a lot, but mm-hmm. You know, somehow it also made sense because there was always some something there backing up for that critical voice. Right. Um, I mean, we will talk about this in later episodes, but we know now that by meditating, you change the structure of your brain and you stimulate the frontal prefrontal lobe, which is connected to calmness and understanding, empathy and focus. Mm-hmm. And this is not something we made up. This is proven right. through research. Right. And it's stuff that the ancient yogis have been saying for centuries that Western mm-hmm. science now has been researching in the last few decades. And they're backing mm-hmm. up what these yogis have been experiencing and teaching in their own lives and through their own experience. Um so that I find that really interesting too, how science is like kind of coming up and but from a Westerner's perspective, like well, from my own perspective, you know, I read these studies and I'm before I started meditating and got, you know, much more interested in the yogic teachings, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, you know, how because I went through my so much of my life not knowing this tool, you know, and not practicing it. And, and then we find that it can help reduce inflammation, improve your memory, um, help with your digestion and your concentration and your focus and your creativity. And it goes on and on and on. 
and and you're just doing the one thing, but you're not mm. consciously trying to address. I mean, imagine how many pills you would have to take if you wanted to do all of the things that meditation can help improve. Um, you try to do that with a pill to address every single aspect and you'd be spending your whole day taking pills. <laughs> mm. And I think it might also be important to understand that there are different branches within the yogic tradition, but then there's also meditation outside the yogic tradition, for example, the Buddhist tradition. And I mean, this has been practiced for many thousands of years in that area around Himalayas. And so it's not just yoga, it's within the Buddhism and I mean, in Tibet, um, I don't know where else. I think we, we like, will look into this later yeah. in the podcast. We're going to look at other techniques and practices. So you, we can learn and you can learn with us as well. Right. I think also like Christian mystics. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if they call it meditation. I think they may call it contemplative prayer. Mm. Um, but it is, the you know, it's meditation for all intents and purposes yeah i mean i get it for example the spiritual part i understand because that is something that has to do with belief and that might not be for everyone if you don't feel like you have that mm -hmm. but then there is other techniques that are very uh, scientifical and just works right Right. And so we have the, different... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alison. Uh, yeah, well, I think you were going to say what I'm going to say, so go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, we there are different approaches that can take, that can address kind of different states. So some people are meditating with specific aspirations, for example, stress relief or to improve their focus or relaxation, um, heighten their creativity open up their higher consciousness or also for divine connection. So these are all reasons that people might turn to meditation. Um, and there are different tools that can help us along. Um, so in our own practice, we use mantras and breathing exercises, point of focus, affirmations, visual visual Im imagery or visualizations and sound are all different parts of our practices um, that are just different tools to help us on our dirt, you know, through our meditation practice. So those are all kind of techniques to take us into that actual, actual state of meditation. So, yeah. sorry. One thing that actually attracted me was that, again, that critical voice uh, which I think many of us have if we live in the Western society, because this is not part of our culture as it is in the East, um, was that, for example, Yogananda, and I know many other wise yogis, actually challenged their students, like, don't believe in what I say. You have to practice and try it for yourself and see if it works. Mm -hmm. um, That's a great for, point. Yeah, that kind of takes down that wall of criticism, for me at least. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I practiced and I felt it. Mm -hmm. So to close off um, the part of what meditation is, let's go back to the being there versus getting there. And one good way to think of it is the 
getting there part is when you're cooking a meal and the being part uh, being there part is when you enjoy the meal when you eat the meal so it's very important to not just do the technique and the getting there can also be yoga practice or having a swim having a run whatever makes you feel relaxed so it's still that I mean a lot of people say that you're meditating when you're walking or uh, when I'm uh, can be reading the newspaper that's meditation for me maybe that's relaxing so it can be the getting there but after that so there is one more step and when you get there you feel the benefit of meditation and you are going to want to meditate more. Right. And that's a great um, segue into the next part, which is common misconceptions about meditation. So we've talked about what meditation is, but sometimes people have um, certain ideas about their their meditation, what they consider meditation, that's not quite going to that meditative state, as Alessandra said. So she she gave the example of physical activity. So um, I also am, well, I still like to say that I'm a runner, even though I've been um, spending a lot of time meditating lately, well, more than lately, and uh, I haven't run a lot because meditation takes you inward and you kind of need that time to yourself to do it. And um, if I also run, then for me personally, because I have two kids and um, my husband and I have a dog and a cat and I have a lot of um, a lot of ways to, to divide my time. <laughs> so I was finding that if I was going for like an hour run and then wanting to meditate for a while too, um, time was kind of getting away from me and it started to feel like, you know, I was always um, sort of um, doing these independent things. So um, Mm. for me personally, I kind of stopped running as much. But anyway, I can relate to that feeling of uh, getting into a zone when you're doing physical activity and it kind of feels a lot different than your regular waking consciousness. You know, your, your mind kind of clears out a bit. Um, and some people do consider that to be meditation because it does feel different. But as Alessandra said, you do want to take that time, you know, let that be a lead in for stilling your mind and kind of bringing some energy into your body. And then when you're finished with that physical activity, you can sit and try to direct your energy to make you go into that meditative state and that state of Mm. higher awareness. Yeah, and this is a challenge, I guess, for anyone living. We're all living busy lives. Mm -hmm. And I think this leads into another misconception, which is that meditation is boring. And this is not just when you are a beginner. I, I think most of us face it even when we have meditated for quite a while, because that's just what the mind is. It's going to say like, nope, I don't want to go meditate. I want to go and do this. Do, 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 do. That's what the mind does. Mm-hmm. It likes doing things. So it's going to resist. Um, I mean, I feel it sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. there are so many things 
you have Instagram, Facebook, Netflix. Well, <laughs> not yeah. gonna hang there all the time. I'm trying to <laughs> limit this in my life, but sometimes the monkey mind has a lot of reasons why meditation is boring. Mm-hmm. But then, well, now I'm pretty uh, dedicated, or very dedicated, I would say. So I go and sit down, and you know, after a while, that monkey mind is pretty convinced as well that it wasn't mm-hmm. that boring after all, and. Like you said, it. I understand this sounds very contradictory, but what you would get from a long run, you can kind of get that from meditation. Sometimes you need to run as well. You need to take care of your body, but a short run and then some meditation can actually give you the same feeling which you had from just a very long run. Right, absolutely. So just like with running or any kind of physical activity, any strengthening or any, anything that we do in that way to kind of get our body fit and tone, it's not a one-time event. So um, I always try to be careful in my classes to make sure that people know that I'm very honored that they've come to the class, but they're not going to progress very quickly if the only time they meditate is once a week in my class. Um, Just like when we go to the gym and we work on our strengthening, if we go to the gym every day and we spend 20 minutes focusing on our muscles, our muscles are going to start to take shape and they're going to get stronger and we're going to need more resistance in our weights because our muscles can take more. And the same thing happens with meditation. If you do it once, you will feel a benefit throughout the day from that one time, but it's not going to be something that changes your life. It's not going to have the big impact that it can have if you take it into your, into your daily life. Even if it's just 10, 5, 10 minutes a day in the beginning, if you make that a daily habit or better yet twice a day, that's when you're going to get stronger, you're going to get better, you're going to be able to bring yourself back from distraction easier. So the more you do it, the better you get. And just keep thinking about like, when you do it, you're getting stronger, your brain, your brain literally is changing, they can see that in brain scans that after eight weeks, you can Mm. um, of, of short meditations, the brain starts to change. I think it's so, about eight minutes or so, eight or yeah. twelve minutes. I think I remember. We can tw- touch on this later. Right? Yeah, but it was it was short. I mean, it was. Yeah. We're not talking about you have to sit down for an hour, and and you know I don't recommend sitting for an hour in the beginning because you're going to have to bring your mind back so many times, then you're going to start feeling like you're not good at it. Mm. So, um, another misconception uh, is that. You might think that, oh, now I have this magical two meditation. Now all my problems will be solved. Uh, It doesn't work exactly like this. But kind of like we said before, you learn to meet the obstacles. You learn to meet circumstances in your life because you have this amazing toolbox which you can turn to when life is a little bit too tough. And also... Then again, we're coming back to how it changes your brain because you become much more solution-oriented when you meditate because you strengthen your prefrontal lobe, which likes to find 
solutions rather than looking at the problems. So you're going to be more creative in creating solutions in your life and you might not react the same way to the problems. Or maybe it's not even a problem anymore because mm-hmm. you just changed your way to look at the situation. Right. And I think you develop a, an ability to see um, challenges as growth opportunities. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you sail through life and you're untouched. I mean, it can mean that you can develop, you know, as uh, very deeply into seeing life as an illusion. Um, But even if, you know, you still feel that human, (laughs) you know, even if you don't turn into a saint through it, um, at least for me, and I've seen this with other people too, you can go through a hard trial and also have the understanding that, okay, this hurts and, and I'm having a rough time, but I also know that I'm growing through this and this is something that I need to experience. And there's a beauty in that, you know, it's, and it it does kind of, it's a balming effect of, of kind of soothing that pain to think, okay, you know, you kind of see it on a different level and kind of approach problems from, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not the end of the world. And um, so. And that's a very good point. I think that um, is a good covering for what meditation is and what kind of misconceptions there might be. Um, We thank you for joining us and we hope that you'll subscribe And you can learn more about Alessandra and I at themeditationconversation.com. And we look forward to the next meditation conversation. Mm -hmm.